This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're with Lee Chui Lin and Sharad Kutten. Tonight, a look at the push and pull between the ruling coalition and PASS. This comes as DAP's Lim Kitsiang proposes that the unity government cooperate with PASS and Anoy Ibrahim has in fact offered an olive branch we explore. So let us know, would you like to see our political leaders dial down the hostility and go the extra mile reaching across the aisle? That number to call, 7733-2900, tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number, 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. So I'm going to start with the non-news thing, uh, mostly because I think it helps to set the context. Uh, PASS is not in the ruling coalition, uh, just to, to set the... Just in case anybody forgot. Correct, just to be very clear. And um, ever since that failed to materialise, um, there has been a pretty steady kind of ratcheting, uh, no, a continuation and a ratcheting up of political hostilities. Um, you know, there's been all sorts of comments levied at uh, non-Muslims, at non-Muslim voters specifically, at DAP specifically as well, at the Prime Minister. Not going to run through all of it. Uh, if you just Google Hadi Awang, you know, a healthy number of headlines will show up. But I bring that up just to say that this is the background because earlier today, uh, DAP's Lim Kitsiang, um, veteran of the party, veteran of Malaysian politics, proposed for the unity government to cooperate with PAS ahead of the upcoming state elections, saying that the government should only do so um, if two conditions are met. Firstly, that, well, PAS president. Past President Tan Sri Abdul Hadi Awang seizes hostilities towards the Prime Minister. And secondly, that he shows honesty as an Islamic leader in the country. Uh, this came after uh, the PM, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim, had extended an olive branch to pass through their central committee member, Nick Abdul, Nick Abdul Aziz, uh, informing him of his wish to rekindle his relationship with past leaders, including Hadi. Yeah, so the charm offensive, of which I think this meeting with Nick Abdu and also his brother, right, uh, both sons of the late uh, Tuan Guru, uh, Nick Aziz, who was a partner in the Pakatan riot, the first iteration mm. of uh, Pakatan Harapan, um, you know, uh, inc- would include, the charm offensive would include uh, the riot openings in uh, Klantan and Kedah and so on. So, so you see, in fact, uh, in Anwar Ibrahim, an attempt to extend uh, an olive branch in, in sometimes very concrete ways, like, you know, reaching out to the Klantan government to say they would cooperate with the Klantan government to find a solution of the, for the water problems uh, before the end of the year, which is an extraordinary kind of timeline on one level, but also speaks to what was what often is uh, talked about, you know, the failure of the Klantan state government to perform as a government in terms of very simple things like quality water. Mm. And I think that this is relevant partly because there has also been a lot of ink spilled over the question of the stability of the the ruling coalition and um, various various talking heads uh, among PN have said, you can call it making threats, you can call it making statements, you know, call it what you want. But but they have come out to say, well, you know, I don't think that the government's going to be in power that much longer. We have our ways. We're going to do it one of, you know, a number of ways and just, you know, talking about that all the time. So there is that question of stability. There's also, I think, really the question of what kind of political environment we want to live in. Because um, before the elections, for some time, the political rhetoric from parties really very toxic. Um, Not necessarily because, sometimes because they, you know, it's a strategic move and and other times because they were, they felt compelled to respond to statements made by the other side. And so you found yourself in a situation in which political rhetoric was increasingly toxic, uh, increasingly race-driven. And so something like this, on the one hand, is rooted in, like you said, very concrete things. Uh, let's work together on water. Let's work together on governance. Um, the Lim Kitsiang saying, well, you know, you could maybe even see a pathway towards collaboration within the government. Um, so that's very concrete. But 
it's also because I don't know how many of us really want to live in a kind of environment where the headlines are always race, religion and, and you know, kind of very negative things being said about both. Yeah, so I guess, you know, empathy is required in this discussion. Why is the other side so unhappy? If you think about the Parikatan government, you know, uh, sorry, political parties uh, just after the polls are closed and they believe they had the numbers. And they and they and some of them on that side of the aisle might feel they were robbed of their legitimate right to, uh, you know, govern the country. So mm-hmm. this is, that, that hurt maybe continues uh, and it might not be based on absolute fact, but, uh, you know, it can be part of the narrative, right? It's an election stolen from them. That's one thing. And the other thing, of course, is... You're right. I mean, we live uh, currently in a Malaysia where our parliament is split down the middle um, with one side of the aisle completely mono-ethnic, almost, uh, almost mono-ethnic. And, 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 and that can't be good for the country, right? So the idea of somehow finding a pathway out of this toxicity that you mentioned, Lynn, uh, is in fact an urgent task. So um, we're speaking today about Lim Kit Siang proposing that the unity government cooperate with PASS ahead of the upcoming state elections. And um, this is also coming as Anwar Ibrahim has launched a charm offensive in the Northern Crescent. Let us know, would you like to see our political leaders dial down the hostility and go that extra mile reaching across the aisle trying to work together? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note to 018-789-8899 or a WhatsApp. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be joined by Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Dire- Director at Briance and Partners. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Being first matters. BFM 89.9. It is 6.16 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about the uh, dynamics between PAS and the ruling coalition. Uh, this is coming, as Lim Kitsiang has said, the unity government can perhaps think about cooperating with PAS ahead of the state elections coming soon. Let us know, um, would you like to see our political leaders dial down the hostility and go the extra mile in reaching across the aisle trying to work together? Call us double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now, we have Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Vriens and Partners. Shazwan, thanks for speaking with us today. Hello, thanks for having me. So, uh, let's start off with this. Despite the constant hostility coming from past President Tan Sri Abdul Hadi Awang, are we seeing an attempt at a recalibration in the tone of national politics with Anwar Ibrahim's charm offensive in Kedai Kelantan as well as Lim Kit Siang's suggestion that the unity government work with PAS? Um, I think it's a few things. I I think Anwar is um, fresh off the heels of the... Uh, National Unity Government Convention um, and, and the feel-good vibes I think elicited from that event, Anwar is um, presenting this narrative that his administration is a collaborative one, right? The, with the overarching premise that if AMNO and DAP can sit together, if DAP can actually um, you know, deliver us, be welcome at the AMNO HQ, um, anything is possible. And I mean, quite literally in Malaysian politics for the past five years, anything is possible. Um, everyone at some point or another have been um, strange strange and stranger bedfellows. Um, so he's extending this olive branch to pass. Whether or not uh, this is because there is a division within pass is, um, or, or, you know, or it, it still remains to be seen. But I think this is part and parcel of Anwar's um, game plan for state elections. Um, if there is no if there, if there is no schism within PAS, he will very well create a schism by this um, olive branch. And I think, especially by the uh, overtures and the sort of like recon- reconciliation role he played with uh, reuniting um, the the brothers of uh, the uh, um, the late Togurni Aziz's um, you know sons, right? So th- those, I mean, those definitely have implications in terms of how it impacts PAS as a party. Um, as well as Hadi. Shazan, do you think we should read this as a cynical political move or just a, a death political move on the part of Anwar Ibrahim? Or is there something more? Is there, is, are there imperatives that go beyond party politics that have implications for us as a, as a nation, whether we can survive, uh, you know, uh, and hold together? 
I, I don't I don't think we should view it as you know cynical just simply because I think any attempt being made to sort of at least um, you know allow political parties or entities have a professional working relationship should be welcome, right? Um, but I, undoubtedly, this is a political move, you ask me, because it, the timing is suspect because it's just happening before state elections. But I think ultimately is, um, I think I, I, I think what Anwar, you know, it, especially this government has done is the possibility, creating that that possibility that you, you can actually have, you know, parties that, you know, um, are diverse and perhaps traditionally diametrically opposed towards one another working together for a common purpose. Um, I, I have to, you know, remind that this is not Anwar's first rodeo at this. You know, the fact that Pakatan Rakyat was there, Barisan Alternative, Pakatan Rakyat in the past, right? Um, that th th Those alliances were testament to the ability of um, Anwar as well as, you know, the different actors within um, the, you know, within within the opposition, uh, the then opposition coalition to be able to um, align with uh, other actors like those from past. So I don't think it's very, you know, shocking or, you know, I, I think that it's in, uh, given the fact that, um, you know, given the recent political developments, it's uh, in an olive branch extended by Anwar, right? What is interesting that past might be interested is in is the very fact that he is trying to that that that, that very public show of reconciliation between um uh the the, the two sons of the late uh, Togoruni Aziz because that has important implications for Kelantan uh, politics um for how you know and, and and also perhaps an indictment to Hadi because Hadi was never um you know um the the past president was never able to do that so if Anwar can do that then obviously um, that speaks volumes to perhaps um, the fact that there are different voices within past. There is an alternative within past in terms of approaches, right? Mm. But I also have to bear in mind that the different actor, like let's just say um, uh, Nick Abdu, for instance, the the son, uh, one of the sons for the late Toguru, um, you know, it would make sense for him to even have that. It would make sense for him definitely to have that conversation with Anwar, just because. Previously, he was a proponent for a form of unity government with AMNO. So, I mean, it's not our character for that to happen. And every and it's a well-known, it's an open secret that within PAS, um, he's not the most favoured person right now. So politically as well, it, it, it aligns. So, but strategically, it's a, it's a good move. Um, a masterstroke, I would say. Um, yeah. So uh, we, we were speaking about uh, the kind of general tenor of our political conversations. Do you think that that tone can move beyond the open hostility during the last GE significantly enough to reshape voter preferences at the upcoming state elections? Um, I mean, that still, still, still remains to be seen, right? I mean, it depends on how, um, you know, developments uh, evolve or devolve following, you know, this attempt at an olive branch. But if you take, for instance, um, you know, Kit, um, Kit Siang's open statement saying that, yes, PAS can be uh, part of the unity government, provided if, I mean, it's as if he's providing ammunition for Hadi to respond. What I fear is that we might see over the next few days is a devolution in terms of a tit-for-tat sort of narrative. Lah. I can expect Hadi or one of his acolytes to respond in kind, and that issue will be prolonged. But perhaps in the grand scheme of things within the you know political machinations, that is also the attempt. Or there is also the plan to offer an olive branch on Anwar's end, while while having other actors within the current unity government um, position pass as the blocker to this union, right? Because ultimately, um, then that makes the unity government look good, makes Anwar's, Anwar's administration look good. Uh, I must apologize if I'm thinking about this in terms of political gains, because ultimately, I think all these conversations about you know, coming together, forgetting your differences, kumbaya, kumbaya. This has happened in the past, right? It's not the first rodeo. Najib did it as well. Um, it's just that I think, as opposed to other people, Anwar is probably in the best position to do that right now. Um, and I, I think it's very strategic. And for all intents and purposes, he might be, he might have noble intentions. He might be sincere. Um, but ultimately, there is a political dimension to it, and we cannot lose sight of that. Yeah. Can we come back to, you know, your your description of that meeting that Wan Aziza and Anwar Ibrahim had with the sons of uh, the late Tuan Guru? Uh, do you think that 
so one of the things that was evoked, and this was through the Ustaz Awanji, the, the idea of the legacy of Nick Aziz. What exactly does that mean in terms of the kind of conversations that we know happened in past around the way in which an Islamic party might work with a non-Islamic uh, movements or political parties, the whole tahaluf uh, siyasi conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of that, I think it's very... I think, you know, the, the idea of reconciliation being a bigger theme is, I think, an outlier to the kind of politics that the late Toguru espoused, right? So it's just like the fact that if you can get, it, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's it's well documented how the two sons were not speaking to each other, right? Or at least um, were so, so opposed to each other politically, but also in terms of personal beliefs. But you know, sort of arguing for a return to the kind of politics the late Toguru espoused would be a return to, I would say, would be for past to return to how it was, um, uh, you know, uh, somewhere between, um, you know, the Barisan alternative and the Pakatan Raya days, where basically, you know, you find commonalities amidst differences. Um, like, like you mentioned, Talof Siasi, that's a term that has not been used for many, many years, right? So, I mean, it's it's exciting to see how that meeting might sort of evolve into further conversations amongst past grassroots because ultimately within past a party as big as past there are bound to be diverse views right um there were definitely i think i mean you had the party generally agree to a you know uh, a, a political arrangement with amno and bersatu at one point in the name of you know malay unity or whatever but amno's you know, change from then. They've sort of um, positioned their role within this unity government. Uh, I believe Anwar is extending the olive branch to allow PAS to define how he might want to envision its role within this government. Um, I, I mean, I think the conversations are quite, I mean, nascent but open. But anything, if anything internally, the, the immediate goal is to create, I think it's to probably create doubt within the past leadership, is to create questions, right? in terms of their current alliance with Bersatu, their current trajectory, right? Because, um, uh, you know, the, the, the narrative that Anwar is, is espousing is a return to, um, you know, uh, multiculturalism, uh, a return to a past that was before, right? Beforehand, right? And and that could also mean, you know, an admission Anwar's part that past the past strongholds will remain a past stronghold. Um, similar to the arrangements he's carved out with the other political parties in Sabah and Sarawak, right? So I think um, it's, it's still very early days, but definitely I think that it, it, it definitely is an indicator um, of things to look out for as we head to the next state elections. So um, we're, we're talking about it right now, it, very much in the context of party conversations. But uh, as you alluded to, you know, they worked together previously. There was enough goodwill at the time. But with the rhetoric that we've been hearing lately, has the ship cut for something like this sailed? Would supporters from both sides be able to accept these these people working together? I, I definitely think the ship has not sailed. <laughs> the very fact you have Amno and DAP working together in a functioning government shows that the ship has definitely not sailed. I mean, we've it's crazy times, right? Um, I, I think there definitely is room in politics. They all tell you that, right? Anything is possible. I think our political leaders have proven to us time uh, over the past few years that anything is indeed possible. So I, I don't think it's impossible, but it would require buy-in. The, the problem, I think, with pass, the challenge with pass would be to get that buy-in internally just because then you have to convince not only the leadership, but also the Shura Council, different dynamics, right? But I would suspect if Anwar is already as bold as to sort of do this, that prob there probably are some dissenting voices within um, the, the past leadership structure that would warrant this risk being taken, right? Shazan, um, we have about a minute left. When you look at the difference of response in response from the Klantan uh, Chief Minister, Mantri Basar, rather, and the Kadah Mantri Basar, Anwar mentioned this, you know, c making the distinction. Do you think much of this is driven by personality or is it by strategic uh, analysis or strategic thinking? I, I think undoubtedly it's a bit of both, but personality would definitely, I think would definitely matter in terms of how Anwar, if you notice when, you know, just very briefly, when Anwar's been going on this whirlwind 
tours to the different states that are having elections, right? And he's been careful to position himself as actually meeting the state the state leadership, right? As actually having uh, a seat on the table. So the idea is this is a prime minister that ultimately wants to be collaborative, that is aware of the differences politically, but is willing to put aside differences to, you know, fix the country and, and all that jazz. Um, so definitely, I think um, his his approach is very measured and is very much determined by the different stakeholders that he reaches out to on the state level. So he, so the Kedah approach would differ from the Kelantan approach and vice versa. Shazwan, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Vrians and Partners, uh, talking to us about the the potential compromise, the compromise we're hoping to see between the ruling coalition and PAS. We'll be back. Keep those thoughts coming and keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Benchmark for Managers, BFM 89.9. It is 6.39 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. Today is a pretty political Inside Story. Um, we're kind of discussing quite a naughty issue because ever since PAS uh, did not make up the ruling coalition currently in government, or PAS and Perikata, basically Perikata National as a whole, PAS and Bersatu, uh, there has been a kind of lobbying of hostilities into the mix uh, particularly by party leaders. And in the midst of all of that, we have been seeing, I think, overtures to try and build bridges. Is that a fair way to describe it, you think? Yeah, build bridges or find a working relationship. Find a working or, relationship. Or mm. Find, uh, you know, a, what do they got? Modus vivendi, a way of living together. Uh, Let's go with working relationship. Uh, you, yeah. you went all, <laughs> you went all Lat- fancy. Yes, fancy. Fancy, fancy. <laughs> um, so... We have seen the ruling coalition try and extend an olive branch, and uh, the latest of which comes with Lim Kit Siang proposing that the unity government cooperate with PAS ahead of the upcoming state elections. And we're asking you, uh, essentially, would you like to see our political leaders dial down the hostility and go the extra mile to reach across the aisle, or do you see it maybe as a compromising of principle. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, starting us off, we have Siemens who says, no to hostility, no to assimilation into a mega coalition. Yes to proper check and balance by opposition. So this is very interesting because Siemens, you know, uh, on a don't know if you're kind of thinking about what happened in Malacca and the Malacca state government and how, uh, you know, the unity government at the federal level informed some decisions that were made at the state level, including what seems to be almost obliteration of, uh, you know, any kind of uh, check and balance at that state, right? Because not only was the exco kind of changed, but also deputy exco members were brought in so that there's very little left of a back Benches. Never mind, uh, they are, of course, the opposition, but uh, the, the backbenchers have also shrunk. And so there you see this really strange um, solution, a solution based on rewarding everybody. Uh, you know, and some people say that was really in the way in which uh, the Perikatan government also operated. Remember the huge cabinet that we mm. had, um, you know, um, a, a failure to recognize the important role of backbenchers, never mind the opposition in the process. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Sometimes the, the political leaders in the attempt to uh, stabilize politics do some really silly things, which is... Uh, ultimately against the whole ethos of parliamentary democracy. I think that the mention of assimilation, both the words assimilation and mega coalition are quite telling because uh, remembering the kind of concerns that people had around election time when there was a lot of uncertainty about what form the coalition government was actually not not election time, post-election time, when there was just so much uncertainty over what form the coalition was going to take, who would be involved, what is it actually going to look like. Um, I think that it's it's interesting to see these anxieties resurface and it makes a lot of sense because it's coming as someone is actively saying, 
Let's work together. I think it's time. Um, KW says, bringing past in will not work. Absolutely different ideologies. If they were in government, AMNO would look like angels. So this is slightly problematic, uh, you know, from uh, from this perspective. Because if you remember with the Pakatan Raya and Chazwan, you know, know, Mustafa kind of reminded us of that, that particular period, the DAP, PKR and PAS worked together. And the way they worked together, despite their ideological differences, I mean, the genius of bringing, you know, DAP and PAS into into one coalition was to say, let's find a common platform, right? So the idea is, Political parties, and this is done in many other contexts, political parties with different ideologies can work together by finding common purpose or a common platform. There was, in fact, a policy document that says, okay, we respect the ideological differences of the the political parties within the coalition, but that doesn't mean we can't actually operate as a government. If if there's a consensus on what we want to achieve. Okay, so I think my, um, my question here really stems from um, when did we talk about AMNO and their 77th anniversary? Was that last? Yeah, was, last week, yeah. I'm trying to remember which day it was exactly. But the point is, we, we spoke about it last week, Thursday. And I think that uh, when we, we spoke about that, we got a little bit existential about what it means to be AMNO, <laughs> you know, um, whether or not it is, in fact, the 77th anniversary or, in fact, closer to 35th, 34th, depending on when you how you gauge a schism. All of that. My point uh, that I'm trying to get at here is when we talk about parties that are built on ideology, at what point do they cease to become the same party when when the ideology shifts or moves. Um, I'm thinking in part of the the Democrats and Republicans in the US, which are so far now from where they originally were. You know, if you think about the original kind of founding principles of each party, the, the modern version of both don't really represent what they were born as. Um, but they still call themselves that. People still identify that way. So, the, the, so, so in a really concrete way, right, what would various parties in the coalition, if they were ideologically different, uh, how would they operate? If you're an Islamic party that says your ultimate game is, uh, aim is to establish a theocratic state. Yeah. Or you're a socialist party that wants to change the constitution in order to establish a socialist state. Right. Can you still work together if you decide, okay, we'll put aside those ultimate gains, uh, aims, and work on what can we achieve within this electoral cycle. We have concerns over, say, education or healthcare. Or corruption. Or corruption. And we'll work together to resolve those problems. So we're not going to push within this electoral cycle uh, a theocratic state, uh, which is a very different kind of constitutional makeup, or a socialist state or whatever it is, right? So... I think that, you know, people, you could say very broadly their ideological differences. I don't think that's a barrier to cooperation. I feel people are taking time to adjust to that because the messages do reflect, um, you know, this this sort of, yeah, but, yeah, but. Uh, general feeling because Lynette for example says no leopards don't change their spots they should prove themselves to care for all races before any collaboration the current behavior is not acceptable yeah so so I think what we what we hear is um, a very strong and valid sentiment uh, you know of suspicion and that's why when we talk about building bridges we're talking about building trust we're talking about Empathy, right? How do we understand what the other person sees us in us, that we, and also how we see them? And so the them and us kind of dissolves, you know, in this process of creating empathy and 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 finding common purpose, right? So, for instance, in I think in the whole, let's work together to solve the water problems of Kelantan, right? One can just you know, decide that, you know, one can use the water wars of Klantan as a constant polemic, right? A stick to batter the past government as non-performing for the... the But all you decide, well, actually, we all benefit if everybody had this problem solved in their lives and that it isn't um, it isn't a loss to our political capital. Like, you know, somehow the failures of the other person is part of my arsenal, my political arsenal, I don't want to give it up. So I will never let them succeed. I'll never help them sort of solve this problem. 
the ideological differences can move into a higher order plane. We, we discuss more and more complex issues where these ideological differences or differences in worldview might operate. I, I, I really, I, I understand the sentiment where it's coming from, especially hot on the heels of the election, where a lot of hurtful things were said and, uh, and things that I think, you know, uh, frankly seditious that were said about, uh, you know, one another. Um, so, uh, yeah, how do we move on? Mm, I, I don't know. Um, but we are talking today about whether you would like to see political leaders dial down the hostility and reach across the aisle and, in fact, go the extra mile to reach across the aisle. This is coming as Lim Kit Siang has suggested that the unity government could cooperate with PASS for the state elections. Uh, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, BFM 89.9. Big Front Man, BFM 89.9. It is 6.51 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We've got a, uh, a political inside story today in which the root of the story is Lim Kit Siang has proposed that the unity government could cooperate with PASS ahead of the upcoming state elections. We've also seen the Prime Minister offering... Uh, different olive branches at different levels. Uh, and all of this is happening, as past previously has said, a number of hostile things. <laughs> so um, we're asking you, would you like to see our political leaders kind of dial down the hostility, pull back on it and go the extra mile to reach across the aisle or not so much? Do you think that it's a compromise that you're not happy with? Uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, I wanted to get to this one from Itam because Itam says... An all-party government, in other words, unity government in the maximum sense, won't resolve our toxic politics as there's no primary election mechanism both between allies and within parties when election outcomes are foregone conclusions, when major parties don't contest against each other, infighting within all major parties would only be worse. Um, if this isn't a plan to split PN or pass, um, then Pakatan Harapan should just give equitable CDF, recognise a shadow cabinet. It's time for professional competition, not creating a cartel. This unconventional suggestion will not only confuse voters, including Pakatan Harapan's base, but is also a distraction from serious conversations to professionalize our party politics. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. And it sort of echoes the conversation we had last week, uh, you know, following uh, Wong Chinwad's suggestion about uh, moving our politics away from the war metaphor into a sporting mm -hmm. metaphor. Uh, the idea of professionalization, there was a roundtable last week uh, held at the Dewan Pasidangan in Parliament that suggested various ways of uh, professionalizing our politics, um, which also has the net effect of kind of dialing down hostilities, but kind of bringing everybody into the center of the things rather than, you know, weaponizing the current structures against your opponents. So, yes, uh, recognizing the shadow cabinet and not just recognizing them in some sort of, um, you know, kind of a simple gesture, but in in institutionalizing that recognition in the way that we need to institutionalize equal allocation for MPs so that we recognize that this is not about giving your opponents an advantage, but ra rather seeing that the voters of those constituents uh, constituencies have an equal right to that allocation that is there, in fact, uh, taxpayer money too. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I don't know if what Kit Chiang said was um, kind of a distraction. I think he was just adding his voice to that. I mean, in fact, what he says is almost uncontroversial it's in, the, in the sense that there isn't much detail. It's not a detailed working plan. No, but I think that there is something about uh, about pass at the moment um, with the baggage of recent months or years um, that alone can be very can trigger a knee-jerk reaction in people. And and I think that that's in some ways what we're seeing, that it doesn't really matter whether the suggestion is anodyne or whether it's it's not very detailed. Um, it's enough to say we should work with PASS for, for there to be a certain measure of upset. Okay, I want to ask you this. Do you think the nastiness has only been a one-way street? Uh, no, no. Uh, so I, ah, so I think that a lot, a lot of people forget that. There's in fact been 
a two-way street or kind of a you know massive junction intersection of nastiness and uh, demonization of the other in Malaysian politics. And I I, and I say we might, as uh, you know, some people on uh, on this side, as it were, feel that it's been just one way. Mm -hmm. But in fact, I think in our long history, it's 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 nobody is blameless. I mean, that's what I would say. But I'm I'm sure a lot of people think they are. So, uh, for example, Willa says, how do you work with a party that wants to dictate what sort of music you can listen to? Where is the middle ground with something as basic as that? And and this reminds me of what you were talking about earlier, Sharad, the difference between um, ideology and the kind of governance that comes from that ideology versus collaboration. And, and I think that those, it can be very hard. Um, I think that there's always this fear of a quote-unquote takeover or um, of, of losing something in that process. And, and I feel like that's being reflected in this. Right. So so we, for many of us, we go back to the Constitution and say, what does the con- Constitution protect? Fundamental liberties, right? Um, but of course, there are people uh, who believe that the Constitution is a lesser document than, say, a religious text or the, uh, a religious conception of how governance should operate. And for them, uh, th- that's a long-term argument that they're going to have to make. I mean, until, un- until and unless they can actually take over the state machinery and, you know, Remolded in their fashion, in their image, we all will have to accept that the constitution is the basis of Malaysian life. So, um, okay, a pair of messages that I think speak to speak to the conversation. Munif says it's bad enough that we can barely get the party we voted for to solely be the government. They will always ultimately decide amongst the powers that be, which result in election losers still clinging to power. Now we want to involve the worst among said losers into the governing big into the governing mix. Big no, even in a cooperation capacity. Tell PAS to fix the Kelantan roads and Pasang Lampu before even having bigger aspirations. The problem is uh, Munif is that Pakatan Harapan, if I'm, I'm assuming you're a Pakatan Harapan uh, voter, they didn't win big enough. That's just the basic fact. And uh, which is what Munif started off by saying. Yeah, yeah. It didn't, it, they didn't. So, it's, But he's saying as if they were somehow prevented from being the only. The, the reality is the unity government is um, a response to a very fragmented and fractured political landscape. And the question is, you know, it's not perfect, but, you know, should we make, and I'm going to do the cliche, but should we make uh, perfection the enemy of the good? Meaning, is this the best solution that we can have at this point in time when, in fact, we haven't won over Pakatan, if that's your preferred political coalition, hasn't won enough people to hold the government by itself. Which is where Shamil comes in saying, if by including past into the government will mean that you stop them from kind of saying the things that they've been saying, by all means, go ahead and merge or whatever. So... <laughs> I, I really love the closing or oh, whatever. Well, there's a lot of what Shamil actually wrote that we can't actually read <laughs> on radio. But let me just... Well, I mean, this is it, right? So you, I could take that rather dim view. I mean, okay, maybe it's a, it is the cynical view of things. But it's not about just shutting up. I mean, th- there are practical problems that people need to, be, that need to be solved. It's not about making Hadi happy. It's about making the people of Klantan live better. And why not? Wouldn't that benefit all of us? So we're going to be uh, extending this conversation to looking at what happens when that ideological gap is just too wide, which, you know, it's becoming clear from this conversation is an issue and we'll be back with that after this keep it here BFM 89.9 bring forth moolah BFM 89.9 it's 709 you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod let me take it back to the start uh, so we are t- we started off by looking at a proposal from Lim Kit Siang, who had said the unity government could cooperate with PAS ahead of the upcoming state elections. And we uh, kind of set that against the backdrop of recent rhetoric that's been kind of going back and forth, as well as the prime minister kind of actively reaching out and trying to extend olive branches. Let's work on water in Klantan. Let's do open houses. And so uh, let's meet with the sons of uh, Guru Nick Aziz. So th- there have been a few things going on and we're asking you, would you like to see our political leaders dial down the hostility 
and reach across the aisle. Put in that little extra effort. You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. 2900 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Just a couple of things on this side. Let's start with a voice note from Nick. I think this is all just a mind game from the current government to see what's the reaction from the opposition. Because now there's already 19 parties as per yesterday's convention. If you have a few more, then how many more parties do you want in the current coalition? So I think this is more to a strategy to face the upcoming PRN. Thanks for that, Nick. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's one reading. Um, the other, of course, would be that there are genuine ways in which we can change the dynamics in this country beyond the the extreme polarization that's happened. And I mean, not ethnic polarization, but polarization in terms of the current, uh, you know, division of the parliament. And so, and why not? So try, how do we change that? And change that by doing things in different ways, right? So maintaining the hostilities, uh, you know, uh, weaponizing development, all these things that were the part and parcel of the toolkit of authoritarian rule in this country, perhaps it's time for us to experiment with different ways of uh, relating to each other across political divides. Before we get to our guest, uh, I wanted to get to this one from Andrew, who says, firstly, I think a collaboration at state level should be considered, but not federal. Uh, speaking of ideologies, PAS is an Islamic party. In an ideal world, they should be aligned with Anwar Ibrahim's government. People forget that he is an Islamist. Even now, I think Islam and its values run at the very core of his government. A healthy relationship with PAS would be a good seed to show how the religion can be interpreted differently while being no less Muslim. The people need to see and reap the benefits Benefits, um, uh, reap the benefits that Anwar Ibrahim is sowing. At the end of the day, for as long as they pledge to the principles of the government and abide by the same rules, why not? This would be good, I think, for the development of moderate Islam in Malaysia. Yeah, very interesting that you use the expression moderate Islam. But, you know, uh, again, this is part of a polemic. It's also part of a conversation within, um, you know, I guess the, the uh, political party uh, pass and and in Islamic circles. And it'd be really interesting to tap into that. What are the conversations? What kind of Malaysia do we want? Especially as, you know, we evolve and, you know, the political fragmentation that we see now is just, you know, one step in a long journey. Uh, towards some sort of realization of, of a new, maybe a new consensus on how to operate. So uh, one large theme that has emerged through the last hour, uh, well, half hour really, of reading people's messages, of listening to the notes, has really been that there are ideological worries, there are ideological differences, maybe not, uh, well, not so much within the parties perhaps, but definitely um, among supporters and, and how they view a potential collaboration. And we're going to be exploring that after this uh, with Jufitri Joha, who's a senior fellow from Reform Malaysia. Keep those thoughts coming though. We'd like to hear from you on whether you would like to see our politicians dial down the hostility and reach across the aisle. You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Busy finding money. BFM 89.9. It's 7.14 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And we're closing off our conversation about PAS and the federal government collaborating by focusing on the differences in ideology and, and what that means, right? When two very different ideologies come together and try and collaborate. Uh, joining us to talk about that is Jufitri Joha, Senior Fellow from Reform Malaysia. Jufitri, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks, Lee. So what's your take on the discussions around PAS uh, kind of forming an alliance with the unity government for the upcoming state elections? I think it is a good sign and a good, uh, I mean, indication for us in Malaysian politics uh, to invite as many as possible political parties to be in the unity government uh, for the sake of the betterments of the political stability in Malaysia as what we have been coined by our young Deputuan Agong before, just before, after the election, that young Deputuan Agong uh, did suggest that to form a unity government uh, for the betterment of Malaysia so that the unity government can focus on uh, stabilizing our, our politics and also to focus on rebuilding our country after 
our Malaysian uh, citizen has to endure so many uh, political turbulence, uh, economic recession, and of course, after COVID-19. And I believe that this is a good sign. And uh, Lim Kit Siang and Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim did, I mean, offer PAS to, uh, to, to lend their hand and to invite PAS in the unity government, especially when we have to face the uh, upcoming state election. I think this could, um, I mean, uh, political uh, for, for Malaysia is political relief for all of us that at least we can reduce the gap between the political party and to start focus on building our nation. In the, in, in the case of Kelantan, for example, when uh, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim offered the state government to work hand in hand uh, with uh, the federal government to solve a very, very, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, basic issues that is that, that is water. So we need uh, political stability and to focus. And the sole priority of the political party nowadays is to solve uh, the problem of the people, so our people can, I mean, feel uh, released after they have to endure so many political turbulence and political instability in Malaysia. Yeah, so Jafitri, so when it comes to say, w- solving. Uh, uh, problems like water, water supply, clean water, it might be easier to cooperate. What about those things where differences in worldview start to matter? When we talk about education, when we talk about cultural policy, how would that work? Yes, uh, I believe that what we heard about uh, opinion from the Deputy Minister of Information just now, that we have to, I mean, uh, to set aside the political differences. For the sake of, for the first one is for the national, what we call it the national reconciliation, uh, for the betterments of the country, for, for the sake of the people of Malaysia. So all political party must uh, possess uh, a sense of a statesman, because we all uh, always uh, hear uh, a famous uh, quotation from somebody that, whereby they say that uh, politician always thinking about next general election. But the statesman is always thinking about the next generation. We are talking not about the people nowadays, but we are thinking and, I mean, planning for the next generation. So I believe that uh, it is good sign, as we can heard from yesterday, I mean, the Kerajaan Perpaduan Convention, whereby we managed to bring 19 political parties across a political ideology from Sabah and Sarawak and from Semenanjung. They, I mean, it's, it shows that it uh, it shows that they, I mean, ready. I mean, to set aside the differences because it's been always reiterated by all the speakers yesterday. They willing to set aside the political differences for the sake of of the of the nation to building the nation. And of course, we want to promote a national reconciliation because I believe that if our political parties' leaders, I mean, have a big heart uh, to set aside the, uh, their differences. They will, I mean, I believe that Sri Anwar Ibrahim and the cabinet, and of course, we hope that after this, if PAS are willing to join, we can, I mean, helm our country towards a good direction, as uh, Prime Minister indicated yesterday, that our economy is, I mean, growing, alhamdulillah. Yeah. So what happens, though, when parties with differing worldviews and ideologies are just maybe inherently incompatible? Um, is there a way for parties to play the role of robust opposition without engaging in, in toxic rhetoric? I believe that all the political parties in Malaysia, they are in the centre. Either they are, I mean, far not far right, nor, neither far right nor far left. They are in the middle, as long as they are still in the middle. Although we are not denying that they, they might be inclined towards left and right, but they still, I mean, uh, practice uh, moderate uh, politics in Malaysia because it is nature of, I mean, um, Malaysian politics that we always practice a modest and moderate politics because we are, I mean, multi-ethnicity and multi-religious. So if we identify that there is there any, I mean, extreme kind of politics, uh, Malaysian will reject. Uh, all those, I mean, extreme uh, political ideology. And I believe that all political parties, even though we we can hear there and there uh, a little bit rhetoric, uh, toxic rhetoric, and I mean, a little bit, I mean, uh, uh, extreme, but but I believe that majority of Malaysians want Malaysians to choose and to have, I mean, uh, moderate and 
a center view kind of uh, political parties leaders in Malaysia. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah Judge Faith, I mean, I understand that. But you see, the, the problem is there's a lot of suspicion, perhaps on both sides of the divide, uh, especially because, you know, accusations of Christian oh. conspiracy, of Jewish conspiracies, of uh, <laughs> and so on. So, I mean, this kind of rhetoric really uh, sours the ground for any kind of reconciliation. From your point of view, how do we start to move beyond that suspicion? Where's the trust going to be built? How is it going to be built? I think that is the problem of the, some of the politicians. I would say that some of the politicians, because they tend to get easy, I mean, sympathy and uh, votes from the people by playing a rhetoric, uh, uh, many, uh, I mean, negative sentiments and to ensure that they will uh, win, some, we win some vote from the, the people. But doesn't matter that. Uh, we should focus on, we should, I mean, uh, especially the young generation, because you put, uh, I mean, a, a, a big hope, especially for the 18-year-old uh, voters, to educate them that we need, I mean, uh, young people should look forward and try to choose a good leaders from 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 uh, political parties that can offer a good leaders. So I think that despite of the I mean um, uh, differences of the ideology and the rhetorics I mean uh, going uh, uh, within the community, we should I mean um, educate our young people to choose a good leaders for for the sake of their uh, for the for their future. And I believe that when uh, Datuk Sri Anwar uh, offer Datuk Sri Hadi Awang, they were before in Abim. They used to work together in even Barisan Alternative and Pakatan Rakyat. And I believe that when Datuk Sri Anwar offer Datuk Hadi, uh, Sri Hadi Awang, I think it is, I mean, a good sign of humbleness and and an and, and invitation to, to look Malaysia can, I mean... Okay, but let's, just, let's get real about the reception he's gotten. He got a positive response from the Menteri Besar of Kelantan. He got a negative response from the Menteri Besar of Kedah. How do you understand those types of dynamics? Yeah, I think because of the character of the leaders, because we, sh- we can see that, the, I mean, the humbleness of the Menteri Besar Kelantan willing I mean, to work together with Datuk Sri Anwar because I believe that uh, the character that being possessed by that particular leader will uh, determine the way that they uh, doing politics. Um, so compared to Menteri Besar Kedah, I think uh, uh, I would say that uh, it is, I mean, uh, that, uh, I mean, Menteri Besar tried to, uh, Kedah tried to, I mean, again, support from the ordinary people by playing that kind of, I mean, a political act. So throughout our show today, one main theme that's come through from the listeners has been the sense that maybe it's um, egos that prevent positive collaboration. Um, I'd like to ask you to respond to that, but also what are going to be other barriers that may need to be overcome in order for that to be a good working relationship? I think, I mean, uh, the, uh, what we call it in Arabic called ta'asu. I mean, uh, obsessed with certain political parties, they, 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 they are thinking of to ensure that their political parties, uh, to ensure they, they, they will win in the next general election, the next state election. I mean, beyond uh, thinking of the uh, ideas of national reconciliations to nation and uh, nation building. So we, uh, as I reiterate in, in the early beginning, that uh, political parties leaders must put uh, um, a character of statesman uh, before a politician. Because as I mentioned just now, that statesmen always thinking about the next generation next gen, uh, next generation compared to the next state or general election so oh, if yeah we, so okay, can I ask you so yeah. we're running out of time Jeffrey. very quickly yeah. what will what is the role of civil society in particular muslim civil society in this particular moment in our history yes we have to encourage our i mean islamic ngos to further encourage uh, especially past to work together with the unity government because this is the time because we have I mean, such a good leader like Datuk Sri Anwar will be well respected by the Western and the Muslim world. So this is the time for them to help Datuk Sri Anwar to help the country towards a, a good and better uh, direction. Jufitri, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Welcome. That was Jufitri Joha, Senior Fellow at Reform Malaysia, talking about the ideological gap that exists and how to bridge it. And uh, that's really been our focus on this particular evening's Insight Story. Thank you, everybody, for getting in touch and for sharing your thoughts. BFM 89.9. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.